Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is March the 17th, 2023, a Friday. One of the great things about doing this show is I get to meet all sorts of interesting people who otherwise I would never have the opportunity to talk to. Some of them almost seem fictional, where I have to admit, when I first came across my guest today, Leopoldo Gu, or Gout, uh, G-O-U-T, I pronounced it gout, which is incorrect. I thought, here's a guy who must be an invention, a fictional character. When you go to his website, the front page is almost out of the office. It's a remarkable work of art. He is, in real life, an artist, a distinguished artist. He's a filmmaker. He was the executive producer, for example, of Molly's Game. And he's also a best-selling writer, a horror writer. Many of you will be familiar with his work, Monarca. And he has a new book out called Piñata. And he's joining us from New York. Um, it's quite a character. Uh, Leopoldo, prove to me that you're for real. I, 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 I suspect that you're an invention. That's what my mom used to say. But the, oddly enough, I've left so many um, trails and breadcrumbs that it, if you just Google me, you'll see that I'm in photographs here and there with the same name since I'm, you know, for, for probably a decade or two. So, so I don't, you know, more than me proving it, you just have to do a little bit of research and you'll find me. It's so easy to, to find the, the, the things that are, the people I've annoyed, the, the madness that, that I, that I've explored and, uh, and you'll, and you'll see that I'm for real. Well, you do seem for real, although we are talking on the internet and uh, I'd love to. Yeah. You never know what's real. Yeah. <laughs> you never know what's real these days, Leopoldo, especially in the age of artificial intelligence. Um, as I said, you're a, you're a distinguished artist. A lot of your art is remarkable. I was looking through it before we went live. A lot of it is very, I mean, art, of course, is visual, very immediate, colorful, scary in its own way. Is there something connecting your work as an artist, a filmmaker, and a writer? Or are there three or maybe more than three uh, Leopoldo Goos? Well, that's a wonderful question, and I love it because when you speak with, you know, the powers to be of each one of these different genres or, you know, mediums to play with, um, they want to say that art is divided and a sculptor or a filmmaker or a, or a painter or a poet are different. In my case, of the different mediums that I've used, I really see a connection. Uh, I see one body of work. And the reason of this is because a lot of the work has been things that happened to me they're all connected to to very personal stories everything that i've ever done you can see very clearly the if you if you speak with me or, or if i go through my life i can experience or tell you things that are very specific, very specific that happened to me on each part of the medium I'm uh, listening a little bit of reverb from your end. I don't, I don't know if um, that's know uh, if that, that's the horror movie aspect, Leopoldo. I think it's fine. So hopefully we'll edit it out if necessary. But don't worry too much about the echoes. 
No, okay, I'm just trying to focus. But um, I love the connections of them, and, and during this conversation, we can go through them, like the process of how I developed Molly's game, for example, and Piñata are very similar in terms of their things that happened to me in a very personal way, people that I met, and, um, and stories that are interest me. And then I, I call them my big rabbit holes. So I start on on a process and sometimes it ends up in a painting and sometimes when it starts from a painting it ends up in a movie or in a book and 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 I love that I love that the mediums have been very generous and very open to me to explore different things but have always been through you know consequence of, of things like I've never set up to say I'm going to make movies in Hollywood or I'm going to make books and publish them it it really everything has been a reaction to to the world in front of me before we went live, Leopoldo, we chatted about you living in London. You were just there. I was actually just there last week, too. Um, you trained as an artist um, uh, in, at the St. Martin's Academy. You grew up in Mexico. We also talked the Mexico City. We talked about um, we talked about the movie Roma. You suggested that it reflected your own childhood. When did you know that you wanted to be a creative of some sort or other? Like, since I'm two years old, three years old, I've, I've always been doodling and writing stories. This is a funny story. My mom passed away a couple of years ago. She was a powerful woman. We didn't grow up with a lot of money, but we grew up with a lot of culture. So our little apartment was crowded with books and magazines and National Geographics. And people will come like artists and poets to have this like long night dinners of all-nighters with my mother drinking and smoking and it was a crazy time and um and i and i and i was always drawing and writing little things and in and my mom after she passed away she left us all of we were two two sisters and one brother so we we're four in total and she left us little kind of like gifts she knew she was passing and and she hid little like secret like messages to us and and, and one of the ones that i got it was all my grade schools. They were all handmade by the teachers when I was in fourth grade, in third grade, in second grade. And it was amazing because most of the of the letters from the teachers were saying, Leopoldo is smart. Unfortunately, he'll never make it because all he cares about is writing his, his stories and doing his doodles. And I was in my studio when that happened and I looked around and it was like I was still doing the same thing. So I think I never deviated from trying to be creative and and, and trying to express myself. And I was very lucky that my, my kind of hippie mom was very supportive of me to, to express myself and do things. Leopoldo, was it helpful for you as a writer to have had that formal training um, at, um, uh, in London? Did that, has that helped you in developing your, your craft as a writer? No, my, my craft of, as a writer has been a painful kind of long life uh you know excruciating uh um part of my process like i i have very clear images in my head and i use memory to to my artwork and to my and in the stories that i that i come together and um but i'm dyslexic i'm heavily dyslexic. So it takes me a long time and it takes me a lot of meditation to write and a lot of um Exer mental exercises to get into the mode in art in visual art and painting is much more seamless and natural 
but my family was involved in books and my, my mother, you know, was a writer. Uh, my grandmother was a writer. My grandfather was a writer from my mother's side. So I had a chip in my head, I think. But um, the, the thing that propelled my first novel was um, that I... This I is had Ghost, right? Yeah, your first novel. Yes, my, my first novel, which actually put the audiobook. It's really funny because now the audiobook we hired a young actor back then when we did it and the actor turned out to be Pedro Pascal. So a lot of the internet is discovering, um, you know, that Pedro did one book and it's mine. This is ten, more than 10 years ago. So, so it's getting a second wind in my, my first novel. And when I started that book, wasn't a book was supposed to be a, a painted graphic novel because I lost my studio on a big fire in, in New York. And I had a, you know, a new my wife and my six-month-old baby, and we we were safe, but but we I, we lost everything. So I was so a little bit in in PTSD, depressed. I was, my my love was rent control, and it, and and a big chunk of it was my studio, and I was painting outside. We had little like, whereabouts in New York City was the fire. It was thirty-fourth and Park. I mean, the, it it went on in the in the in the news and everything so people could find the 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 there was an article and everything because it, it burned really you know that i we had to leave that that day i had no house and in a lot of my art most of the art that i was prepping for a show went into 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 smithereens and it was art that you know my art is very time consuming so i was so in shocked and depressed and i went into a cafe and and I went to, you know, places like uh, Kinko's where they were open 24 hours. And I started to paint this graphic novel and, and the bubble started growing and growing and growing. And one day a publisher friend of a friend uh, from William Morrow said, look, this is actually really good. Why don't you turn it into a proper novel and I'll pay you much more money than what well, you'll get from my graphic novel. And I was broke with no studio, no home, sleeping with my baby and my dog and my wife in different places and different friends' homes in New York, trying to get back my mojo. And I said, yes, because that's how I react to things. I was like, wow, are you sure I can write a book? And he, he kind of said, yeah, you're, this is great. So, um, so I, I, I turned into a novel. And then, they, you know, I, I really believe in my editors. They helped me a lot. Uh, my editors of Piñata have been some of the best people I've ever worked with. And I love them. They're a bunch of incredible people that they have, that they, you know, every rewrite was extraordinary. And, and, and I think it's a, it's, it takes a village, you know, because it is a, I have the stories very clear in my mind, but with my dyslexia, it's, it's, it's harder for me to, to put that in paper, but I love it. I love the conflict and I love that, you know, all of the preparation I make in my research to, to work on my books is it really pays off when I'm doing it because I can see images and things that I wanted to do it. And it's a puzzle of how to put it together. And it's the same process that I do in paintings. I, I layer ideas. Yeah. And, 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 and you also, um, the book Piñata is a, is a Gothic treatment of layers in itself. It's, it's a layered Mexico and Mexico city. Tell us a little bit about the book. I, I would describe it as, gothic maybe that's the wrong word what word would you describe your work a piñata of history 
<laughs> that when you peel it, more and more weird things are coming out. So Piñata, I love Piñata. It's a very modern story, but with ancient uh, uh, backbone. Um, and it has two trains, uh, two kind of architectural trains. It's a very fast read. It's a really, you know, horror is a genre that I love. So with, with great horror, you're kind of like putting a, a um, we're talking about something else, like Night of the Living Dead by, you know. So would you call it a horror movie? movie? Uh, would you call it a horror book? Are you okay with that term? Yes, 100%. A lot of people are very um, dismissive of the genre. I love it. I mean, some people want to call it suspenseful and, and you know, it's a novel, but I, I love the genre. I think it's very interesting what people are doing in horror. You know, I could argue that Parasite, which is, you know, was won an Oscar, was a great uh, movie. There's great writing, like let the one write in that reinvents the vampire novel and it's it's really beautiful and Why, the um, work of Guillermo Toro. Yeah, Leopoldo, what... It seems as if there's an increasing appetite for horror films, horror books, horror narratives, maybe horror art. Why, why do you think that is? What, what does your reader, your viewer, your consumer get out of horror? Well, as I, as I was trying to uh, explain with, um, with Piñata, the, the, to me, the, it's a great there's a great architecture in the genre, it's a very noble genre that allows you to, to, to paint things that are really deep inside your, 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 your feelings without having to be very obvious. So, yeah. so in Piñata, there's two, there's two trains that I was trying to say, and, and I'll talk about horror in a second and why I think it's so successful, but let me be very, very atomical with Piñata. It started with, with, you know, with when I did my first novel, I touched on some ideas and energies that I grew up from Mexico City and that haunted me ever since. And one of them is when you're really young in Mexico City, you go to the Central Plaza, which is like our city hall. And it's, you know, 600 years old. Just the modern buildings, there are 600 years old. And But below those buildings, there's the Aztec world, the pyramids that were like pull apart and with those same stone they built churches and and office buildings the the during the conquest but it's still a lot of pyramids underneath mexico and you can actually go there so when you're a kid the school takes you since you're like six seven years old you go underneath the the templo mayor and it's like a different world and in fact on the pavement above the in in the zocalo in the center of mexico city there's some aztec faces that have kind of broken from the pavement and you barely see certain Aztec things and it's just mind-boggling for an imaginative sensitive kid that I was to see that there was like a, a buried world within the world so that that stayed on me then years later I discovered that I had a little bit of a Zapotec blood from my father's side of the family the Zapotecs are indigenous people from the south and I was really fascinated by that because it was an extraordinary discovery in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a family tree. Now, I don't know if that's true. I, it could be not true. And, be, you know, I thought about doing the, the, you know, the, the DNA test, but I don't care. I feel Mexico in my heart and in my body. And I've been researching this part of. Yeah, I told, I, I told you, you were somewhat of a mythological figure. So maybe the, the mythology <laughs> exactly. is, um, more than just a, a, a metaphor. So Mexico City, the dead are never quite dead. 
does that mean that people who are alive are also living with the dead? I think so. I think everybody has a little bit of a of a story there, but also like it's the violence that happened there, the change of religions. The in in one generation you have a a new god coming in and squashing their thousands of year gods that they had. So that violence is, is very interesting to me. That 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 uh, conquest of the of the of the belief system and um, and one of the one of the shoe drop moments when I started Piñata is I saw a, a painting of friars and monks dragging children, like young, beautiful kids from indigenous background, and, and forcing them to break a piñata and eat the internals. But the piñatas were, they used to paint the symbols of their gods. So it was like a, what in today's world, the piñata is a very nice thing that you do on a on a on, a, on your birthday, but back then it was a subjugation kind of shock therapy to break and kill your God and eat the inside. Because remember the Catholicism, you eat the flesh of blood and drink it's, it's uh, the, the wine is his blood and you eat the flesh. It's very violent. It's a very violent religion in some ways. So the, imagine being a kid and being forced to kill your God and then eat it. And when I saw that, I was, oh my God, how come nobody has talked about this? This is incredible. This is crazy. And, um, and that's one of the trains that started to engine into Piñata. And then the second one is a personal story. I have a daughter who was turning from a girl into a teenager. And a lot of the things that are happening in today's world are very infuriating for, for young, smart girls. So she was in rage. She was screaming at the TV of some politician did something stupid. And I really loved the, the, the passion she had and the rage she had in that transition. So those trains kind of came at the same time and that's when Piñata started. And so the writing was pretty fast. Yeah. It sounds in the way you're, you're, you're telling the sort story, certainly of the, the origins of, of European Mexico, that horror was a reality. We often think of horror in fictionalized terms, but actually what happened in your land was as horrible as anything that could be imagined. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, in in in, in like, I I assume that it all. Imagine the horrors of the things that Julius Caesar did in 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 Spain and or in or in Gaul in France when he went in and destroyed cultures that were also thousands of years and and he he was even worse because he salted the forests and 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 destroyed completely their their information. So I think that that violence is in all over the world, but in Mexico we just have it more present because the Spaniards really mixed with the indigenous population. And, and there's a new race that came from that that's called the Mestizos, which is me, like most Mexicans, like even though I have a lot of European blood, but I do have Mexican blood and that makes you a Mestizo, which is a, which is a mixture of things. And, and that is always fascinating for a Mexican when you see that there is still that indigenous world right in front of you. And I was very lucky that my mother was very friendly to a lot of indigenous people and, and, and to experience their values and their cosmology that is totally different from their European cosmology was also fascinating for me and, and left a big mark. And I can go into it in a bit if you want to. Yeah, I was in, I mentioned I was in London last week. We went to the Royal Academy to see um, the, the exhibit of Hispanic culture, Hispanic art. 
And one of the things that occurred to me walking around this ex exhibition of the Spanish conquest of Latin America is that when we think broadly of evil today, we tend to refer to the Nazis and the German behavior in the Second World War. Uh, but when it comes to evil, the Spanish uh, can compete. Certainly the Spanish behavior uh, in, Latin, in what we now call Latin America uh, can compete with anyone, can't it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's terrible things that happen and, and also positive things. I mean, you, you look at history and you see that this, this explosion, but mostly horrible things happen. And, uh, and I can't imagine that. But to me, it's more that is part of like a trauma. But, but to me, what's exciting is to, 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 to go to the Museum of Anthropology in Mexico City, to go to communities. Mm, yeah, it's an where, amazing museum. Yeah, but also to go to communities where indigenous people are still out there talking their language you know, singing, making new music. There's a new rapper I've been following her. I can't remember the name right now, but I, but um, but she she sings in in um, in her own northern indigenous uh, language. It's not Yaki, but it's she's from a very very specific tribe and nation. I don't, you know, it's not a tribe. It's, it's a cultural nation. But I love the the that in Mexico you grow up, and if you're curious about it. Um, there's a direct connection. There's not a second-hand connection with that world. It's just not as explored in, in modern uh, society in terms of the schools. They, they teach you about the nations, but it's very kind of superficial approach because the, the, you know, make, you know, the person that is making a tackle has a, you know, a direct connection and it's extraordinary. And that power, I was very lucky that my mother made us very sensitive to that power she eventually lived until she passed away in front of a Mexican pyramid in Cuernavaca, Morelos. There's a tiny pyramid, but her house was, was your mother right a well-known. Uh, you've mentioned your mother a lot. Was she a, a, a well-known writer? What, what? She no, it's not that well-known. She was an uh, extraordinary person. She was well-known in some ways, but she was an activist. She was social kind of like crusader. In, and when she was young, and then she became a writer, but but she had some radio shows and stuff. But it's not that she was like a lot of her work was very much to do with social causes. So it wasn't really like famous in the sense of like what today, you know, European and American famous of, of the the money and the situation. She's more like a personality that people know knew. But her quest was never financial. So so it was a uh, you know she was a powerful human being and yeah definitely i like to mention her because of like the the origins of a lot of what i do is is it's a little gift that she 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 gave us as with curiosity with learning different languages with reading with exploring the world with you know she had friends that were you know of every ethnic and you know sexual orientation in the world so we she gave us the gift of never experience what i call a curse on people's racism or bigotry you know and she gave us the the like a really a really beautiful gift that we 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 were the opposite of that and we had people you know staying in our house from everything that you can imagine every color and creed and 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 from every corner of the world so we and we was not a big house but she kind of she was kind of a magnet of of ideas and i think that reflects in what i do and why i'm so interested in different me uh, mediums and different ways of expression and ways of telling stories. 
Do you think in a way Piñata might be an alternative guide to Mexico and Mexico City for you? Tourists go there and see very much the surface of the place and of the culture and of the people. You're trying to get under the skin, aren't you? Yeah, but I don't think that it's... A, that's another book. That's a great idea. I want to steal it from you, but I'm not... Good, you can have anything you want. <laughs> Thank you. No, this is more a... a yes, it, it will produce interest, hopefully, in, 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 in remembering, you know, helping maintaining the language, the narrative language, the, you know going a little deeper into Mexico uh, than the surface or the, you know, the postcards, um, you know, that when you're talking with a, a random person, maybe their family has 2000 years of culture behind them and they don't even know it because they don't have access to the information we have, but you know, you're there in front of them, in front of their culture. There's a reason why, for example, when the big, you know, the first big wave of, of farmer migration from Mexico to the U.S. was in the 60s and 70s, just when the, in California, just when the wine started to get great, the Californian wine. And there's an argument that a lot of the farmers that came there behind every big family of Californian wine, there's a Mexican that just knew the land and just do, knew better how to deal with that land. So th there is a power there that hopefully my book can, can get people excited because in my book there's an, a Mexican-American character that goes to Mexico back, which is a little, you know, echoey of my situation or being an expat of somebody that left your country and you're making your children in America that are, are Mexican-Americans, but they're not fully Mexican. And, and the good and the bad of that, the, the battles, the internal battles that I have with uh, with 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 that difference and i'm not saying it's better or worse I'm, I'm just saying it's very different in those emotional uh rides i wanted to express on them in the story which i think that that it's there so so th in that re that's why it's more personal than looking into my city and trying to give it a guide i think that is a future book that hopefully one day i get inspired to make I, I assume when you're writing this kind of book, I mean, you're a filmmaker too. As I said, you worked uh, as executive producer of Molly's Game with Aaron Sorkin. Um, do you think of movies when you're writing this book or do you think of books when you're, you're making your movies? Uh, is Piñata, have the, the rights been sold or will you keep them for yourself? Um, with Piñata, I have a partner that wants to make it into a movie and they're, they're a financing studio. I, I don't want to say exactly who yet, but um, they are very serious about it. We'll see. Um, I always think when I'm writing, I think in images as well. So that doesn't mean that everything I write has to be a, a movie or a TV show or a documentary. I Sometimes I just write for the pleasure of like the abstractness of it and the in the words and the in the modulation and like I I am very proud of some of the titles of my paintings. I th those are kind of mini haikus of writing. The 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 reality is that it's a it's because I do layers. It is a mixture of things. I I, I kind of feel them in in it's a ping pong between the paintings and the books. And when I'm working with a character in the book, I really see them. So is, if, if that is a movie, then yes, great. But, but it's not like, this is a book first and foremost, and I love it as a book. So if I never do a movie, I'm happy that this is a great, in my opinion, this, this is a, 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 
a, a good attempt for me to do a book. You know, I'm always self-critical. So I always feel like I could be rewriting everything that I've ever done again and again. My publishers were like, no, this is great. We, you got to give it to us. We got to do, do it. So I was very um, moved by the, their enthusiasm to my book because when, you know, even with my paintings, the same thing. When I, I'm in the middle of a painting and I, I could paint it on, until it goes black and the same with sculptures or with other mediums that I played with. Um, so it's a kind of like, I don't see it as a commercial, oh, I'm going to do a movie to make money off this property. It's more of like, I want these characters to be alive. So if if it travels into a movie, it's a fantastic opportunity and, and it can be told with truth and it can be not exactly like the book, like everything that I do, every format should like uh, embrace the format. So, you know, the movie will be slightly different than the book. If we, if we make a movie or if we make a TV show, it will be slightly different than the book as well. So I want every medium to have its own uniqueness because it, it, the layers of information are a little different. And it's really fun to, to lean on them. Like the cinematic approach on a, on a movie of how you write a movie is very different than when you're trying to build a universe in a book where you can be, you, you can be a little bit, you know, bigger in my, in my way. So there's a lot of value for, for expressing a story in, in a book that you just can't do in movies and vice versa. Uh, finally, Leopoldo, you've mentioned layers a lot in this conversation. Your art is layered. Uh, the narrative in uh, Piñata is layered. It's about a layered city, Mexico City, with the dead sort of alive in a sense underneath formally, physically the city. Um, in a world of layers, are those layers endless or is there ever an end to the layers? Do you ever go anywhere? Do you get somewhere to a heart? Or is your layered interpretation of the universe suggesting that there is no heart, no final center of anything? That's a fantastic question. It's probably one of the best questions anybody has ever asked me. Um, because you see the heart for some people, the heart is at the, at the middle point of things, not at the ending point of things. To me, the universe has that, or the universes that I try to create for this, for my work, has those, those, those layers are our journey where I don't really know how it's devolving or evolving, but suddenly I get there and I go, ah, that's, that, that is the place that I wanted to go. So I have an abstract idea. Like I always say, like some of my work is like when you wake up from a very vivid dream mm. and you still remember it like a movie, but it's fading. So, mm. so you want to capture it just before it completely fades because if it completely fades, then there's nowhere to go. And you try to get to there and you try to get to there. And as the, the farther you go, the, the faster you try to get there, the more it vanishes. So there's a there's a truth on what you say of the the danger of the layers is that it 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 could never end and and then you are in in the middle of the abyss and it has happened to me in projects where I you know where I need that's it's why a, I love collaboration. It's a form of purgatory, isn't it? Uh, it's a yeah, punishment. Yeah, a hundred percent. That's why you know I was in answering to your older question about horror. Why is it why is it so successful? Is it's because of those things, because everybody can, can have that 
right of feeling where where you're not trying to uh, to be that um, it's not hidden. It's telling you the the it's it's using that genre to express real shape shape shifting things about humanity and horse or beauty or extreme feeling on humanity. And that's why people like it because it gives you that right of ex extremity feeling. Like my 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 daughter scream watching a politician saying something dumb. Like that, you can't, if you reproduce it exactly because it's my daughter, you know, nobody is going to feel it as much as I feel it. But if I use that rage into the narrative of a horror, then you can use that, per, you can permit yourself to do that. And it becomes very organic to, to say something bigger. And, 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 those, and, and you nailed it. I mean, the danger of layering is that it can end up nowhere, you know, and, 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 and the fear is you, you don't know, but I, 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 I promise you when I start these things, these journeys, whether it's a book or, or a piece of art, it's, it's, it, it, it's never, it never, I never know where I'm going to get. The one thing I do use a lot, which is very counterintuitive, and you, I think you'll, you know, you are going to appreciate this, is I do use a lot my scent of smell. Um, I have a photographic scent, you know, um, brain thing where I literally can 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 remember bubble gums in my second year underneath a desk, you know, like very vivid memories that I have cataloged with scent that are useless for most people unless I had a wine career, but I don't have the discipline of the wine people that are atomically super focused. I am, my brain works in, in too much of a chaotic field to be able to be a wine connoisseur, but I, but I do have extraordinary memory with, with scent that I use it in my work for creating character, for creating story. And, and I feel the scent is what helps me that the layers don't become like an M MC Escher and you go into, into nowhere <laughs> and you go into the abyss. But I love your question because now I'm going to think about it forever. We could talk a whole program just about the, 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 the beginning of or the ending of layers and whether they have a heart or not.